It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, and the captivating memoir, Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine. When today's guest, Adam Hall's life fell apart, he really began to look for answers beyond the success, money, and prestige that his ego craved. The initial phase of his transformation journey began by exploring spiritual teachings under the tutelage of shamanic sage Alberto Velodo and the conscious evolutionary leader Barbara Marx Hubbard. He became a deep student of A Course of Miracles and the ancient Mayan culture. Today, through his book, Divine Genius, The Unlearning Curve, Coaching and speaking, Adam helps people speed up the unlearning curve to assess their divine mind and the limited wisdom, guidance, and knowledge. Adam has dedicated himself to, to fostering conscious evolution, business, and culture over the past two decades. Through his books, Divine Genius, The Unlearning Curve, and the first book in his autobiography, autobiographical trilogy, The Earth Keeper, Undeveloping the Future, his 40 keynotes and the more than 90 radio and television show interviews, Adam continues to seek and find ways to elevate consciousness and create optimal inner wellness. Adam has a story like none other, and I'm so excited to get started. Good morning, Adam, and welcome. Good morning, Randy. Wonderful to be here with you today. It's wonderful to have you. And I have your book, Divine Genius, The Unlearning Curve, and I have read it. So I know that you went on quite an amazing journey that you probably would have never imagined could have been true. Never would have imagined it. I, it was, was kind of like putting yourself up in the wind and somehow finding the trust of spirit to guide you to guide you guide you along safely and uh but i'm here and i'm with you and all the listeners today and so much going on <laughs> during these times of great planetary change and so thank you so much for having me and look forward to sharing more more with all of you today yes thank you i look forward to hearing it so and and also sharing it because i know a lot about your journey <clears throat> those of us who are the light workers, the people who have these amazing spiritual journeys, often start with um, great adversity in life. <clears throat> it, usually, it usually starts that way, and then it takes us in a different direction. Do, would you like to share a little bit about the journey, uh, about where you came from and what started you um, on this spiritual journey? Well, be be happy to, and you know, my, you know, my journey was really one of pursuit, um, and it was pursuit of the American dream, and and uh, so I built some businesses in in the in the real estate arena, primarily around capital and real estate development, and um, I I became what I referred to as a self-described earth conqueror. And, um, you know, kind of the classic, uh, Randy, the classic narcissistic male um, that was dog-eat-dog world. I lived by the law of the jungle, whether you're the lion or the gazelle. When the sun comes up in the morning in the jungle, you better run like hell. Uh, And uh, so that, that was the nature of the life that I was living really was that competitive, uh, no-holds-bar uh, narcissism that, you know, created a lot of success in my life. I, I make no bones about it and um, and really, in many ways, achieved the American dream. I'm not This is not a right or wrong. This was just the journey that I had. 
but ultimately, as I've shared with many, that it was going to tums tums on the way to work and tequila at night. It, that sense of inner presence and peace was not there. So I I had a moment one morning, Randy, going to work. Uh, at the sun was coming up, and I was heading down to PCH out in out in California, out in LA, going to going to work, and it's on a phone with an of doing a large deal and a dog ran in front of my car and I swerved and I, I thought I was having a heart attack and I just said, my God, I can't handle the life that I'm living, although I had everything, but I had nothing. And that's what mm-hmm. said, time to make, make a change. Well, you had family issues. You, you had um, issues with your marriage. You had issues with your wife. Uh, sort of uh, withholding your children or turning them against you, which is something that as a narcissistic abuse expert and coach, I hear a lot of. Um, This happens a lot in these kind of relationships. And I'm not saying that that's the kind of relationship that you had, but I do hear a lot of this, and I know how heartbreaking that is to have your children turned against you, the the children that you nurtured and loved to turn turned against you. So I know that that was very difficult for you. Um, So you began, how did you transition from what you were doing to a little bit more of a spiritual path? Well, I, I, first and foremost, I, I, I want to say thank you for mentioning, you know, the, the, this challenge that many have with their children and um, I, I think my challenges were great. They're nothing compared to the challenges that my, my children have experienced. And, oh, yes. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's um, you know, I was so, it was so, uh, you, know, di- you know, just so difficult. You know, I, I was so motivated through the process to begin to, believe that children uh, in divorce should have a, a, a rights under law to, for, to, you know, be in relationship with both of their parents and to, you know, as long as it's safe and trusting. And so that, that was, a, that is truly one of the most difficult periods uh, of my life. And uh, it, it ultimately was relational to what you have mentioned because we we go through difficulties and I was going through the difficulties and challenges, no better, worse, no special or anything other than anybody else. But those challenges <clears throat> hopefully are wake-up calls. And hopefully they pose the, the question of, you know, how can I be a better human being? And um, I begin to ask those questions uh, and inquiring and questioning everything about my life existence and you know it began by that classic breakdown and that you know classic you know midlife awakening so to speak uh, dark night of soul whatever you want to call it and I believe that, 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 that I wrote the divine genius the unlearning curve for those that, that you don't do not experience do not have to have that kind of experience. So I begin to meditate. I begin to, to practice yoga. I begin to spend uh, a lot of time connecting with nature and listening, 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 listening to my heart, and also embracing my tears and my, my pain and sense of of, of abandonment in, in my life. So yeah, it begin. It began that way, and it was, you know, one little, one little teeny step at a time, and they were teeny, but somehow, some way, I put one foot in front of another, and the path began to open up, if, if you know what I mean. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I do. And sometimes that's all you can do. That's all you can do. You're walking in the dark. You don't know where you're going, but you're just moving forward. Um, one day while you were meditating in April 2012, a entity introduced him or her, I don't know if it's male or female, self to you, and you call it men, M-E-N. But you're saying that men doesn't mean 
men in the in the uh, in the way that we would think it means. So who who was men and how did that come about? How did you meet men? Well, I had been um, I stepped into a deep exploration back in uh, in two thousand and and four really when I began to separate from the life that I was living to um, ultimately come back into my inner world of spirit of, of of taking the journey to what there must be something more to the, my life experience to find out find out for myself and so I begin beginning begin to study Randy uh indigenous wisdom and teachings uh cosmology of the Mayans of the Hopi of other old ancient civilizations, um, religiousosity, and uh, and a lot of other things just weren't you know calling me. But I was very curious about these deep inner wisdom teachings. So it, that was the initial seed point. And then in April of 20, uh, 2012, as you had mentioned, um, I was gu- guided by a voice to 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 entity, as you call it, which is which is a powerful place of connection. So I came into a deep meditative state of high frequency brain waves. You know, delta, theta, even gamma brain waves that I just really left left my whole room where I was in my body, and the experience took place over two to three hours, where I connected with this ascended master that I named men, M-E-N. There's no gender connotation to it. Um, Men is an archetype uh, in the Mayan cosmology of the eagle. So this archetypes are powerful energies that are representative of, of certain powers, like a power animal, like an eagle. And the eagle, if you think about it, flies high. It, it, it's the intermediary between heaven and earth. And men came to guide me and invited me to go on a journey and meet with, 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 with him every, every day for 81 days. And, and that's when the, when the revelation came around these deep inner wisdom teachings and how I could apply them not only in my life and go live them in my life, but ultimately share them uh, with the world to help help make the world a better place. So that that's the journey of men. <clears throat> so as someone who had never heard the voice of someone coming from a spiritual world, um, did it frighten you? Well, it was quite shocking because um, uh, it, 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 it was like ethereal. It was, it, was, it was surreal. It was like there, and it was very present. But those initial steps from when, where I came to in, in this middle of this desert, in the middle of a cold night, and I was standing there going, how did I arrive in this place in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of a, of a moonless night? And I was cold, and I was on a, on a plateau, and I looked down, and there was a fire. So I went down to the fire, and as I approached that fire, there was a figurine there, kind of a hooded figurine and I go and initially it's like whoa and I stepped back and because the figurine wasn't revealed it was kind of half shaded it was skeletal in nature so it wasn't human in its form it was energetic in its expression and that's when the journey began where I sat and began to listen and take in the journey that I ended up going on for 81 days. And much of that is shared in the divine genius, but also importantly, what were the gems and the teachings 
of 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 that time we spent together. So yeah, it it's like stepping into the unknown. And if you think about it, we we don't fear the unknown, uh, Randy. We don't know what the unknown is. We fear the idea of the unknown. And what I discovered in going into the unknown was remarkable. It was <laughs> it, it, it it was quite quite extraordinary. There were and and you really had to surrender to this because. <clears throat> um, you were told initially that along the way you would receive many treasures and that those treasures would contain universal knowledge and truth. Um, but what you, that what you did with them would be your choice. But this is what's scary. However, should you violate di- divine will, you will be expunged. Do you understand? The voice said. When you heard that, you said, I, yes, I understand. And you bowed your head gently. But that sounded to me like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is a do or die, right? It, it, exactly. And it, and, it, and it was a do or die. And I arrived and I clearly arrived at a choice point. Would I just continue in my existing form, this 3D world of work and all the things that I was doing and going about? And... And, and live my life that way, which in the context of what we're saying you would be expunged was about becoming kind of walking dead, just kind of existing in the world. <laughs> and um, I wasn't interested in just existing in the world. I was curious about what's more, what's greater possibilities. So the languaging from men that ascended message uh, messenger was very stark and 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 very stern. Actually, had some sternness. It was very clear. It was cut and dry. And so, it was it was an invitation to me to move beyond this idea of the physicality and identification of ego and body, which the the divine genius lays out we have a choice between ego mind and body existing or we have a choice between genius mind our divine mind and body mind spirit and soul a whole the whole possibility not just a physical experience but a powerful spiritual experience so in that invitation that was uh, going to either I was going to either do that and show up and or I wasn't and if if I wasn't then essentially I would be taken out in the world and either just be there existing maybe just drinking or doing whatever or being taken out so it was a pretty pretty clear choice <laughs> right of what I needed to do right right so what do you how do you describe the ego mind? <clears throat> the ego the ego mind and this is uh, Randy where a course in miracles has been so instrumental in in my in my life's path and my my transcendent path away from this idea that we exist separately. The ego is an idea, a thought, that we can function independently of spirit. We can function independently of earth, for example. We can function independently of the greater universe, the quantum field. So the entire thought system that was is developed based upon one initial thought, of we can be separate and we are a body separate from others created a whole world created a whole belief system that we now function and live within so the ego mind is a thought system that functions separately from oneness and and the wholeness of who we potentially are that's how I would describe this powerful thought system that essentially is destroying our planet, 
has separated us from each other and is the invitation to come back to our genius mind, our, the mm. oneness of who we are. <clears throat> so we all have that genius mind, huh? Everybody has we it? All, yeah, yeah, we <clears throat> all share what I have come to understand. And the key of, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the Divine Genius, the Unlearning Curve, the book, is that it, is it lays out a choice where we can either continue to choose the separate ego mind or we can choose the genius mind and our connection to our oneness and totality of who we are. All of us share this. All of us have this ego thought system. All of us have this genius thought system. All of us can choose either one. The purpose of this work and why I dedicated the rest of my life to this work is to empower each of us to know that we have a choice, to know what the choice is clearly, and that we can choose again. And that that's the very motivating and driving purpose, inspiring purpose, I should say, for me, to show up to help others. Because if we don't choose the genius, we don't choose the oneness, then we will continue along the path that we're on. And, uh, and that that's not a pretty path. The science and the data and the events that are happening between the pandemic and the climate are all pointing to the next six mass extinction for us. So we get to choose again. And that's what's exciting to me. And the book is dedicated to going to the place where we made the choice in the first place. And the source of the choice for the ego to choose another way. Because we can't solve the problem, Randy. We cannot solve the problem of the ego and the, sep- and the separation from the place the problem and the separation was created. So we have to go back and choose again. And that's the power of the divine genius, the unlearning curve. <clears throat> Amazing. <clears throat> so, um, the fr- <clears throat> excuse me. The first thing um, I think that you started to learn was the tr- about true forgiveness. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and when you heard of that, did you really understand what true forgiveness was? No, I did not. And let's let's share with that for a moment because we've you've heard we've all heard it. Forgiveness is so essential and the and, and that is absolutely I, I'm so on board with that. However, forgiveness as we practice it and as I was been practicing it was essentially how we forgive someone for an act that happened often the case and if you think about it just step back for a minute and think about the idea of how we forgive because when we forgive that under that scenario we are falling into this victim perpetrator experience we are judging another other people for what they did in other words you're guilty, and I'm innocent. Mm. Now, this is not to deny or diminish what happened. That's not the point. Events happen. Terrible things happen. And I feel Mm. deeply for people that are going through so many things. The idea of true forgiveness, shedding once and for all the power of an event or a person in your life, because that person should not have power over your life. We, why, why would we want to live in the past? And this is the challenge that we face today because our mind, our, 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 our wiring of, excuse me, of our brain and our ego, ego separate system, that separate system of the ego keeps us living today and tomorrow based upon our past events. In other words, we're living in the future's past. You're right. And this is, this, is, this is the conundrum that so many of us face. We have 60, 70, 80,000 thoughts a day, and 99% of those thoughts are of past events. 
You're right. We live in our past experiences. So true forgiveness frees us from the power of a person or an event and those thoughts, those beliefs and thought systems to move beyond, move through it, beyond it and through it. True forgiveness is forgiving ourselves and someone else, not for what happened, but for what did not happen. (laughs) And what did not happen was we erred in forgetting that we are connected with each other. If we go, if you think about it, if you go to a place, just put aside an event. Take one or two or three events in your life that were traumatic or difficult or, you know, some son of a gun or something happened terrible. Just put aside the event itself, but there's just you and that other human being. Much as you hate that person, much as whatever it is. But if you put aside that, all of that, they're a human being. And we erred in forgetting there's an interconnection. And, and it's, it's this simple. It really is. But the power of this, because we must first forgive ourselves for that judgment. We must first forgive ourselves for feeling awful and ashamed for being in, being in that situation. So that's the first powerful step of our interconnectivity with ourselves and with the others because in that journey, forgiveness becomes more about forgive, forgiving of forgiving of giving love, forgiving more a peace and inviting that to come into our life. So hopefully that makes some sense, but there's a powerful process I share in the divine genius that speaks directly to this wisdom and the importance of it. And it's the first step on that bridge to our greater potential, to our greater genius. And it's one that should not and cannot be missed. And it's, it's a great time to be practicing true forgiveness. I do every day. Would you share the process with us? Is this something that we can uh, talk about here? Well, yeah, we absolutely, absolutely can. And I, I don't know how, what your time, the time, timing is, but we can certainly talk about it. And just okay. briefly, and I would encourage everyone to really pick up the divine genius and take a look for yourself because ultimately what I find is that is the power of the process is one where each of us should should spend a little time, you know, choosing an event in our in our life. So what what we do is what I do and what I offer is a five step process, and this process is a consistent process throughout the book. This is called the genius process, and the genius process ask really five key questions. And, and, and the, these questions are designed to look and understand the ego's thought system. So these five questions are designed to look at the ego's thought system. And then in this particular case, we apply forgiveness to our journey. We talk, we, we, forgiveness of ourselves first and foremost. If we cannot truly forgive ourselves, then we cannot forgive another human being. But let me just walk briefly through this five step process. Okay. okay. Sounds good. Okay. Sure. So the, the, the first step is ask the question what do I need to know about the ego? So you forgive yourself for judging others for what they have done. You simply made an error by judging. This is the true meaning of thou shall not judge. In other words, what we know is that the ego judges. We need to forgive ourselves for judging first and foremost. 
The second step is we want to listen to the answer. In other words, what do I need to know about the, the ego? So that question is, whom shall I listen to? We forgive, you forgive yourself for feeling that you could be separate from God or your source or your divine nature, whatever it is. We, we, there's this idea that we often function, when we function separate from the ego, then we're not connected to the whole. We're not connected to oneness. We're not connected to God, whatever that may mean for you. So we want to listen not to the ego saying, you son of a gun, you're a miserable human being, you're a sinner, you were involved in this terrible situation, you're judging. We want to listen to our deep inner heart and to our spirit. So that's who, that's where we want to tune in. And the third step here is we want to acknowledge the problem the ego caused in your life by asking, what do I see that is yet to be seen? In other words, we are sensing an inkling that there's something going on, but we don't quite see it yet. We're not quite clear on what is going on. And it's an invitation to remember that you and others are all one, part of the same divine, universal, genius mind, we want to acknowledge this. We're connected to each other. We're connected to nature. We're connected to the quantum field. And forgive yourself for believing anyone could be apart from you. We often think, oh, you're a body. You're over there. Oh, my mom's over there. She did this or my dad or my husband. We must forgive ourselves for forgetting of our connection. And we simply made an error. We forgot that. That's, that's an error. We all make that error. The fourth step is we ask, how do I do things in life without doing them from the ego? <laughs> that's how a can tough I do one. Something? What? Yeah. yeah. How can we do it? How can we do it separately? Well, we can choose. There's a choice that we can choose this genius mind, this place within ourselves. That is this, our, our, what is known as our authentic self, that we can choose into that place. We can invite it to become part of our lives. And, and, and because in that place, there's nothing to forgive. We don't need to be forgiving. At the end of the day, there's, you know, everything is one and interconnected. And that place is a place where we can actually make our decisions from that are have compassion, that have understanding, that have kindness. Not to dismiss the way things that go on with people. It's not to say something doesn't happen in our lives. It's only to say we're not going to go ahead and judge it. We're just going to say, oh, that person erred as well. They forgot of our interconnectedness. We can have, maybe if, it, if we're kind, we have compassion for that. So we can function not in the ego. We can function in our hearts, in our souls. We can function in our oneness and connection. And lastly, the fifth step is we can activate this part of ourselves, this genius, as I refer to it as, is how shall I be? How shall I be in the world? If I'm not being in a body and separate, how shall I be? And we can ask spirit that. And when you choose that genius mind, you become a forgiving person who actually has nothing to defend nor nothing to hide. And transparency is the new consciousness. And not having to defend ourselves and fight for ourselves is a place where we find a deep inner peace. So those are the five steps that, that are taken in the genius process to help us forgive. And the book takes us through these five steps for all 13 wisdom teachings. In other words, 
we now can start to see how the ego mind thinks and functions and guides us separately. And that's inauthentically. That's not our truth. That we can show up into a deeper, fuller life of oneness and interconnectivity. So hopefully that's helpful to get get everybody Mm -hmm. started. It is. It is. So human beings are emotional. um, And Mm -hmm. we operate a lot from emotion. Um, Is that connected to our ego, the emotion? Um, the, it's, it's, it's a, it's a really good question that I think has been explored by many of our psychologists and in particular Jungian psychology, as I, I've studied quite a bit myself, although I don't pretend to be any expert or a psychologist, I wouldn't make any claim to that, but ultimately the deep emotional state of our place of connection is with is that the soul deeper in our soul level and connected to our authentic self and what i found is that feelings kind of they kind of burp up through anger or rage or pain and they they the the difference is is that when it it's projected what i found as an angry man they would get angry and upset and wounded little Adam kind of thing, that that was coming from the separate ego self. But when I feel that I can, and I can feel my sadness, or I can share my tears of joy, that's coming from my authentic genius self. And if you think about it, Randy, you can sense when people are projecting from their ego emotionally in a, a more of a wounded type of way, or when they're coming and sharing their feelings in a more authentic, deep way. There's a subtlety. I, I, you're, this is your jam space, so you probably see this in its projection and in its own sense of... Um, Wanting to find our expression, and this is where our emotional intelligence kicked in, kicks in. And as a man, it's taken me a long time to really develop my emotional intelligent nature. And it's a journey, and it's a process. And um, and not wanting to get stuck in those emotional places, because we often get stuck in our emotional um place and feel safe in it, even if it's abusive, even if it's miserable, we just kind of go, oh, I'm, I know what, this is my safe place. We're yes. trying to get out of it. You know what I'm saying, people? Yes, I and do. So this, you're all on a planetary scale, on a global scale. And this is where I think people, I hope really each of us can understand we're not alone in this journey. We share this journey. We share these thought system of the ego. We share this powerful thought system of, of the genius within ourselves and we can choose those. But we're in this together and now more than ever people are wanting to move out of the places where they feel stuck. Ultimately what I am sensing and it's showing up everywhere. People are leaving their work. They're leaving the place where they live. They're, they're, they're going for it. And I think it's very powerful. These are incredibly powerful times. So powerful times to move beyond our emotional stuckness and really exercise that emotional intelligent muscle, so to speak. I mean, I so agree with everything. And I've been on this journey for a while. The thing about forgiveness, this is, this is a difficult thing. And I, I've been working on this myself. So, um, understanding that the people that I perceive to hurt me are really just part of the whole plan and that I need to thank them rather than or thank them for loving me enough to put me through all that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And just understanding that, you know, it's not about um, them hurting me. It's about my journey. And that's 
the hardest thing to do. I've been working on that for a while, and I'm getting it, and I, I think it really does help. Um, well, absolutely. Absolutely. Good to hear that, and I'm with you. I'm in the same place. That's the gift of the Earth School, is it not? It yes, offers it us people and opportunities, and we can, you know, I share four life experiences in my work. I, you know, we could, we're either having uh, a life experience where we life is happening to us, where we're the victim, things are going on, and we're just the victim of it all. The second one, life is happening from us. In other words, mm-hmm. we graduate where we can control the, our lives. And you've seen control freaks. It is a form of narcissism. As you know, we control, seemingly need to control and manage every part of our lives. Then we really can leap in our consciousness, in our evolution, in our human experience into the third life experience, which is life is happening for us. And life, when life is happening for us, all of a sudden we begin, oh, thank you. <laughs> for remind, cutting me off and reminding me that just to be present and then to stay in my place of forgiveness and peace or seeing that there's an opportunity to in, in, in our, something that's very tragic and difficult. That's the power of that third experience. And one of the things I share, uh, Randy, in the, in the divine genius, the unlearning curve, in wisdom teaching number two, which is true purpose. We're all, there's so much talk about purpose, finding your purpose and all of this. I share something different. And that is, it's, it, what's shared is that we all have the same, everything and everybody in our lives is to remind us that we are not, not this separate idea of ego and this body, to, but to remind us and to, turn us back inward to remind us that there's this greater interconnectivity, that we have this place of our presence, of our peace, of a deep love that holds us and guides us. And this is the whole power of the experience of the earth school. And lastly, we begin to experience life happening through us. In other words, the greater totality of the universe the wholeness, the oneness of who we are begins to flow into our lives and all, all of a sudden life becomes very magical, kind of like that magical child. So hopefully that's helpful and, and, and oh, kind it of is. journey it's, it's, things. It's very helpful. So you took a journey, um, to, and I'm trying to see where it was. Where, did you, where was it your journey that you went to for the 80s? Four days. Well, Peru, Peru was the, the the journey guided me back to Peru on the okay. on the fortieth day. I had a, a a revelation that I was that of of that I was to return to Peru, which I had traveled to many times before, but to receive this this gift of what I did not know. Go show up and be guided and listen deeply intuitively where to be, when to be there, and to tune in. So that, I, I, I took that journey, and I'm not going to reveal much today because because ultimately it, it came to me of where I needed to be on the 81st day, and that was changed my entire life experience and the world that I was living and experiencing what I was doing, it became something radically different than I'd ever experienced. And it was one that really led to the work that I'm doing today and the service that I'm here to offer to others uh, during these times of great earth changes. Yeah. And actually you just answered um, a question that I was going to ask you because you you came to this in such a powerful way it that it it took tremendous um trust and belief and we don't have to get there with you know in such a um an extreme kind of 
challenging way, we can get there in other ways. Why do you think that you had to go through deepest of, of experiences to receive this knowledge? Is it, and, and, and my, I think my answer is that you are here to do something with that, right? Well, a hundred percent. And I, I, I am here to do something with that. And that's what I've dedicated the rest of my life to, to your point though. And I want to emphasize, emphasize this is correct. We do not, you do not need to do extreme things like go take ayahuasca in the jungle, like jump <laughs> off mountains. If we don't need to do these things. That was the call of what I needed to do. That was Adam's path. Everybody gets to choose their own path. The whole idea of the divine genius, the unlearning curve, is to re-empower you as the individual. You don't need a guru or a priest. You are the guru. You are the priest. You don't need all these books and all these things. Obviously, they help. But but ultimately, the power of of your own evolution and transformation lies within, within you. And I needed to take that journey. And for me, it was a very much a karmic journey. And it was a journey, and I'm living it today, although it's uh, the dharmic part of my journey. In other words, the past life energetic cycle of my soul being, if you subscribe to this as a, a life cosmology, is, is, was asking to be cleared and deep, more deeply held and understood and loved. So I, it, I needed to go to these places and these adventures and these to have a, a, really some near-death life experiences to, to awaken me to this greater genius within, within. And that journey has been one that I have been asked to share because I want to help others so that they don't have to take that journey. They, they'll take their own journey, mm-hmm. but they, don't have, they can leap into their potential. They can leap into their divine genius. They don't have to be seeking for the rest of their lives. Because endless seeking, and we see it on this path, spiritual path, people become endless seekers. It's the next best thing. It's the next best workshop. It's the next book. It's all of this. They be, we become endless seekers. And the whole idea of this is to help the individual to leap beyond that separate ego mind, the problem that keeps us locked into that endless merry-go-round of seeking and to come back to the source of the problem because at the source of the problem is the solution. The problem is the solution. Ego thought system, the idea of ego is the solution, but to get back to the source is where that problem was created is the key. And that's the whole idea of the divine genius, the genius process, because when we choose again, life will never be the same and our greater potential and genius can unfold. Yes. Yes, that's that's so true. I, you know, are we, um, I find that when I work with my clients, um, sometimes uh, their need to control life has really caused a lot of problems for them. And when they can let go of that control and just trust, um, things seem to work out much better. But if, if you're someone who has that tendency to control, where do you begin? Because it is, um, it's, a, it's a safety, it's a, it's a pacifier in life that, you know, if, but it's, a, it's false because we can't really control anything. So what do you say to people who have a hard time letting go control in life? Well, as a uh, ex-control uh, freak, <laughs> uh, and it's not just a male thing, um, although it's oh, no. very mass. It's not no, at it's all. Not. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very, it's a human, it's a human thing. And of course, it's very Darwinian. 
and it's very Newtonian. It's it's old in its its understanding because we it's 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 this need to survive. It's this need to defend ourselves, and the grip of it strangles us, strangled me, so severely that all it does is pump stress, cortisol, which is stress, into the human body, into the system. And in the need for, to control something, you're actually putting, pumping cortisol and poison into your body. And then that pumping of that cortisol and poison into the body becomes a life of disease, not just dis but literally biological and physiological disease. And we live in a state of disease, which is really just a state of just a drip, drip, drip of death. If you first and foremost acknowledge what your control does, it puts you in a state of disease, and death. That's what it does. And that's known by our, in our medical profession, it's known in our, in our psychological profession, it's known across the board. So the acknowledgement of seeing something for how it is, not for how you want it to be, in other words, being radically honest, to acknowledge that this life that I'm living of obsessive control is first and foremost destroying my sense of my, my body, my wellness, my health. You probably, as a control free person, don't really feel that good. And maybe you need a pill and feel think you feel better. Maybe you need a drink. Maybe you need sex. Maybe you need something other out there that's going to help you feel better. That's the first Thing. I think once we radically get honest with ourselves as control freak and understand what that does, then we go, oh, shit. <laughs> we better get out of that mode. And then it begins to take us to what the second thing I often share with a lot of people, and that is the outside picture is a reflection of an inward condition. In other words, your inward control freakish nature is now wanting to control your partner, your daughter, your son. It's now wanting to control what you do in every part of your life. Or you go to a place of work and something is controlling you the work environment, what you have to do. And in that, in that, then there's a resistance to that place of work. There's a reason why 4.4 million people just in America alone are leaving their work every month, like never before. They don't, they, 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 they've had enough of that. So there, it's time to take back our need to control, and the first thing to do is to begin to forgive ourselves for the lives that we're living seemingly that are separate from our truth. We must be radically honest. So I just put forth the first simple step, acknowledgement, acknowledgement of what the effects of control do to yourself, your body, they do what that does to your place of work, your relationships, and everything else, and to ask for a deep forgiveness of your own self. So to, to, to begin the next steps to let go of the need to control. In other words, where we step into, I surrender to a power, to a force, greater than myself, I'm going to surrender to it and trust it, that it will guide me and lead me to the next steps on my path so that I can free myself of a life that is really one where I'm dying and not happy and struggling to one where I'm freed and I feel more joyful and peaceful and abundant in my life. So that's the journey. 
beyond control, as I see it. You, you really made a good case for that because, I mean, you explained that so well. How could anybody hear what you said and still want to hold on to control and living a life of, of the rat race and, and those kind of things? Thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of people will hear that and really, really start to think about it. So um, very, very well said. Uh, <clears throat> the fourth insight under five insights on divine life is you are an artist of consciousness. When you choose the genius mind, you become an artist of consciousness. Instead of being the victim of life, you become the co-creator of the life you want to live. The genius mind has a hidden power to manifest the heart's truest intent when aligned with the authentic self. So I think you talked about this, but I like that, you know, when you say an artist of consciousness. Do you want to elaborate a little bit more on that? Well, absolutely, because the, the life we were a little bit ago, we were referring to life experiences, those fourth life, 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 life experiences. In the in experience that begins to happen when we embrace the genius within ourselves, the wholeness of who we are, and, and, and when we come into a place of that, is we are the artist. In other words, life is the big blank canvas, and in somebody instead of somebody painting your life of how that life should be lived or what your painting should look like. You get to have a blank canvas, and you get to paint that canvas with the life you want to live. What is your heart's truest desire? And that's the power that each of us have. And that's the artist of 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 our own consciousness, of our own place of presence where we can paint and share our hearts, our brilliant, beautiful mind, our souls, to let our soul out. And that's when we become freed into a co-creator. We get to create with the universe Mm. and not function separate. I love it. I love it. Oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Wow. Uh, <clears throat> you, say, you say in your book, of all the teachings, the one on peace helped you to relax and that it made you feel safe and secure in a world that can seem dangerous. So um, what are the five insights on, on peace? How do we feel more calm in life? Well, and, 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 I, and I appreciate you bringing this up because, because inner peace, is a prerequisite all else. In other words, we cannot experience unconditional love without inner peace. And that is, that's a critical, critical component. So the idea here is that we begin to experience unconditional love, where we come to experience the abundance of joy in our lives, it all begins with inner peace. And let me just share those five insights with you just very briefly. Um, And the first insight is that the fear of peace creates conditional relationships. In other words, paradoxically, we fear peace. Now, why would we fear this deep inner peace? Because the ego fears peace because the ego knows when you are peaceful, now you are disconnected from the idea of being separate. In other Hmm. words, when you're whole, when you're one, when you're at balance and feel an equilibrium with yourself and nature and those around you, the ego does not, has no place. So we fear it. So that's the first insight. The second insight is only people and things 
that are peaceful remain in your life. Well, damn, that sure sounds good. When I'm in the presence of my genius mind, the only the, the, the people will remain in my life that are true to me are people that have are are peaceful. They're not yes. trying to attack me. They don't want things from me. They're not groveling. They're not manipulating. They're not controlling. Those aren't people that are peaceful. So when we move into a deep sense of peace, then we attract and we keep those that are peaceful in our lives. And I, I say, great, good riddance to, to all the <laughs> that that's not peaceful. Right, the, I agree with you. Yeah, the third insight is the fear reminds us to be forgiving. In other words, if we're feeling fearful, then that's a reminder, oh, I need to forgive. I'm functioning separately from my inner space, my heart, my own sense of peace. Let me take a couple breaths and drop back into that place of my own inner peace and let that fear, separate ego, peace go away. Let that drop away. The fourth insight is you need to do nothing to find peace. Well, this was really profound when I began to think about this. Well, I don't need to do anything? Our innate nature in our most authentic, self, soulful self is peaceful. And I think all of us at some point in time, whether we just find, if it's for a moment or two, or maybe we're sitting next to a lake, or maybe we're seeing something and everything kind of slows down. And we go, ah. And we feel something that's subtle or safe. Trusting that even is a little bit warm. That in and of itself, that's peace. We don't need to do anything in that state. There, it's always there. It's there right now, and it may be calling someone. Maybe calling you right now to say, "I need to take that moment and drop into that place of that inner peace." And lastly. Peace requires action from the authentic self. And I say that because to be, to, to, we need to, you, you, might, you might be thinking, God, I wish the world was more peaceful. I mean, just think about the news and everything is chaotic and all this stuff. And that's the nature of the world. It's, it's just, that's what it is. It's constantly changing. It's chaos, but it's the invitation to say, I'm going to be the peace I want to see in the world. You know, if we think about it and we go rail against somebody or we get in a very divisive, opinionated mode, right or wrong, it's everywhere, (laughs) all over, that's not being the peace in the world. So, but when we engage with ourselves to say, ah, let me be at peaceful. And from this place of peace, I can say, well, wait a second. Maybe there's other viewpoints that should be considered. Well, wait a second. Who am I to tell this person how they should, what they should do with their body? We can be in a place of peace even in our differences. That's the whole <laughs> idea of that's taking that's action true. from people. You know, Adam, there's somebody that's been uh, with us since the very beginning of this show, and his or her hand is raised. So I'm going to invite them to ask their question. We really are out of time, but I'm going to stay on so that we can get this done, okay? Oh, okay, sure. Okay. Um, Okay, hi. Hi. Uh, Welcome to the show. I'm so sorry. I I wanted Adam to finish talking, but what, what is your question? Oh, uh, thanks for taking the call. And actually, um, I don't really have a question. I'm just going to get the book and do the work. So, uh, okay, because your hand is raised. Okay, great. Yeah, your I'm hand is raised, and I thought, that's okay. No, I just wanted to make sure I, I, I didn't want to leave you. Um, so just keep listening. We're almost done, okay? I'm going to put you back on hold. You but, thanks yes, definitely much. get the book. Thank you. Okay. 
Awesome. Um, so we really are out of time, and um, you know we could go on and on with this because mm-hmm. it's so pre- profound and so needed in everybody's life. Um, and I love the way that you present this because you know people don't always know that they're ready for this kind of thing, and sometimes. You know, I call it the proverbial two by four. Like I was one who had to get hit across the head (laughs) a couple of times before I went, before I, right, before I went, okay, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. So take it away, you know. Um, And it would be great if people could, you know, reach this place before they get the proverbial two by four across the head. So, um, so. So the way that you have presented this is so easy for everybody to grasp, and we all should want to be our divine genius. It's not just you, it's all of us. We have a divine genius that we should want to connect to, and it would change the world. It would change us. Um, Everything changes when we change within. So, Adam, um, do you have a website? Yes, yes. Well, thank you for that. Randy, and it's been a real delight to be here with you and all your your listeners today. And yes, you can find me at adamhall.solutions, www.adamhall.solutions. And there's all kinds of offerings there to support each of us in, in our own, own journey, in our own work. And um, Yes, please pick up the book. I appreciate the support. And please feel free to reach out anytime. Happy to connect. You can do so on my website. Happy to support and help people move through these, these some of these challenges that we're facing. That's that's what we're here to do together. And, and I look forward to more with you, Randy. Perhaps we can continue this conversation in, in the in the new year. I would love to do that. Yes, we're definitely going to have you back so we can keep talking because there's there's so much here, you know, so much to unpack here. But um, but this was a great great start, and I really enjoyed it as well. And I thank you so much, uh, well, for writing this book first of all because it's a gift to all of us, and um, and for being a guest on my show today and sharing it with me and my listeners. Um, everyone's life has changed after hearing this. So that's so important. Um, but thank you. I really, really appreciate you being with us. You're, you're so welcome. Blessings and, and have a wonderful holiday season, everyone. And be well, be safe, and look forward to continuing our journey together in the coming coming weeks. Yes. Yes, please ask your, um, let's see, who is your publicist? Oh, oh Missy, okay. Please ask Missy to, um, after the new year, to send me a, a note about having you back, and we'll definitely do that. Oh, that would be good. That would be so good. We're off the air now. Okay. All right. Thank you. Have a great day, Adam. Take care. So we are out of time today, but if you have any comments or questions about today's show, you can email me at love your life at randyfine.com. Randy is R-A-N-D-I. Randyfine.com. May joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.